This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Hello and welcome to the show once again, or as the case may be, for the first time. I am your host, John Rosemond, and the show is called Because I Said So, and we're all about what is called parenting. You can, if you are a first-time listener, find out more about me and my parenting and family ministry by going to John Rosemond, J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com. I was told yesterday by two people that it sounds like I'm congested, and I guess I am. It's just that time of year when the pollen is flying around, and uh, I'm a blonde. And I uh, understand that people who are fair-skinned and fair-haired and blue-eyed, we are more prone to allergies this time of year. And yes, I could take decongestants, but... Um, I don't know. I, I take decongestants and I just don't feel normal and I don't like the feeling. So I don't take decongestants. So I hope that you, the listener, can just ignore the fact that I probably sound a bit congested today. So I want to, um, uh, I want, and, and by the way, if you are a first time listener, I am a family psychologist who does not believe in psychology. I believe in the sufficiency of Scripture concerning all things. I am not what is called an integrationist. I am the thorn in the side of the mental health professions in America, in part because as I go around the country in my guise as a public speaker, I uh, tell what I believe, tell every audience what I believe I'm firmly convinced is the truth. And that is that psychology has caused more problems for the American child, parent, mother, marriage, father, family, school, community, and culture than psychologists even have a clue as to how to solve. Not because there is inherent fault to people who are psychologists, although I will say about my own profession that I believe it is the most atheistic, left-leaning profession in America, or at least competes in that regard with journalism, but simply because uh, of their training, their training, their indoctrination, my indoctrination, in fact, which is why I understand this so clearly, is an indoctrination into a set of untruths concerning human nature. You know, I'm also a uh, nationally syndicated newspaper columnist, uh, an author of about, uh, depending on how you count them, 15 to 20 books on children, childering, family issues, cultural issues concerning the rearing of children, and so on and so forth. A public speaker, and um, you can find out my upcoming speaking schedule at my website, again, johnroseman.com. And uh, most importantly, married to the same woman. One has to say that these days in order to distinguish the number of years from being a cumulative count. 
married to the same woman. A Willie is what I call her. Her real name is Wilma, but I told her, no, I'd watched the Flintstones as a kid. Could not call her Wilma with a straight face. So she became Willie, and we've been married 50 years. How about that? And we have two 40-something-year-old adult children and seven grandchildren ranging in age from, I think, 13 to 23, something like that. So uh, a few years ago, people began sending me emails and coming up to me at speaking engagements, asking for my opinion concerning what is called grace-based parenting. I looked into it, but only somewhat superficially. However, that superficial look was sufficient to conclude that although grace-based parenting masqueraded as biblical, it was not in fact founded on solid theological ground. Around the same time, a pastor, an older fellow around my age, told me that he thought it was nothing more than a repackaging of touchy-feely psychological parenting, and that, that confirmed my impression. The promotional materials for the book and the program were, in my estimation, designed to appeal to women who, and let's face it, folks, tend to give a lot of credence to their children's emotions. In other words, women tend to interpret their children's emotional output, assigning it meaning, assigning it credence. And so along these lines, the grace-based parenting material talks about a child's so-called inner needs. Well, that sounds very quasi-psychological to me, and promises that grace-based parenting will endow a child with a set of four essential freedoms— like the freedom to be different and the freedom to be candid. Well, concerning the freedom to be candid, I would say you don't want your child to feel that he or she has complete freedom to be candid. One of the problems with all too many kids these days is that they obviously feel free to be all too candid especially when things don't go their way. So anyway, I was giving a talk the other day to a group of mothers in which I said the usual stuff, such as children need unconditional love. Because of their sin natures, a parent's love for a child must be unconditional. It must reflect compassion for the fact that a child comes into the world already a slave to sin. And by the way, we could... Uh, legitimately, because the Bible says this, say that the child comes into the world a slave to his or her emotions. And I also said, as I always do, that unconditional love must be balanced by unequivocal authority, that children need firm authority as much as they need unconditional love. And I gave examples of what firm authority looks like and sounds like. Because, and regular readers of mine and listeners of mine already know this, the discipline of a child is 90% a matter of presentation. It's mostly a matter of the child's perception of the adult as a calm, composed authority figure who radiates in his or her manner, demeanor, 
100% confidence in the legitimacy of his or her leadership. And I said in that regard that the words because I said so are nothing but an affirmation of one's confidence in the legitimacy of one's authority over a child and nothing more. That's all those words mean is that uh, I don't need child of mine and I'm not going to make any attempt to justify my authority to you. You will obey because I have told you to obey. So I also told the group that parents should communicate to their children, not so much in words as in their manner, again, that they know what they're doing and do not need to consult with them, their children, to know what to do. For example, that they do not need to consult with their children to know what food to feed them at dinner time or any other time for that matter. And furthermore, I said, the calm, composed, authority figure does not really care what his or her children think or feel about the decisions that they make. The Bible clearly tells us that foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. Some translations have the word foolishness as folly, and that's Proverbs 22.15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, and that it is the job of parents to exercise authority such that the foolishness imprisoned in a child's heart is eventually driven from it. And by the way, the term the rod in that context, Proverbs 22.15 says, the rod of discipline will drive it, meaning the foolishness bound in the child's heart, far from him. The term the rod in that context does not mean a spanking. It does not exclude a spanking, but it does not specifically mean a spanking. It is a metaphor for authority that images God's authority in our lives. Parents are God's imagers to their children. They are their children's first representation of God's unconditional love and unequivocal, all-encompassing authority. And so I said it's essential that parents do not allow themselves to be knocked off balance or off track by their children's emotional outbursts. Children are soap opera factories, I said. They are driven by emotion. A child's emotions are dangerous to himself and to others. And if you yield to a child's emotions, the child will never learn to control them and is likely to grow up to be an adult who is driven by emotion. We all know people who fit that description, don't we? And the people in question are irrational they are emotional bullies, many of them. You cannot reason with these people. And in that regard, you cannot reason with a child. You cannot reason with an individual until they have learned to control their emotions and think not with their hearts, but with their heads. And because these people are irrational, emotional bullies who don't think straight, because they're not thinking with their brains, 
they're dangerous. They're dangerous to themselves. They're dangerous to people that they're in relationships with. They are oftentimes abusive in relationships. So anyway, I said all of this in front of this audience of mothers, and it flew all over one of the mothers present. And I'll tell you why and how after this important break from American Family Radio. Stay with us. So welcome back. I'm talking about a presentation I gave to a group of mothers recently. And, uh, you know, it was my usual message, which is completely biblically based. I will maintain there is, uh, and, 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 and I've checked in and I, I, I attend an Orthodox Southern Baptist church. And by the way, my pastor, Pastor Scott Gleason at Tabernacle Baptist Church in Newburn, North Carolina, listens to this radio show as a podcast, and I have asked for his correction if I ever deviate from scriptural orthodoxy. To this point, and this radio show is um, three years in the running, he has not given me such correction. Now, this is not to say that he will never uh, be, uh, you know, I am uh, a uh, person who is not above correction by any means, nor am I a person who is in no need of it. But all I'm saying is that I am reasonably confident that the material that I present publicly, whether through my newspaper column, my public presentations, uh, or this radio show and this radio show, I am reasonably confident that that material is solidly grounded in an orthodox reading of the word. So anyway, what I was saying about the discipline of children flew all over one of the mothers in attendance. And during the Q&A period, she began arguing with me, or I should say she tried to start an argument with me. I'm far too experienced at this to fall for that. So I just let her rant. It was a rant, by the way. It wasn't an impolite rant, but it was a rant where, you know, I could not get a word in edgewise. I didn't even try. She said that she practices grace-based parenting. And she was upset because in her estimation, my parenting philosophy, which is not mine, mind you, does not reflect grace and forgiveness and compassion. She said that if she was to follow my examples with her children— her kids would be confused and even frightened. Now, mind you, none of my examples, you know, I, I act out in front of audiences what I'm talking about. I give people visual, audio-visual examples through these, these little vignettes that I act out. Because today's parents, and, and especially mothers, if I dare say, they're, they're, they're clueless quite often, as to what I'm talking about, there, because we're two generations removed from an intuitive understanding of how to properly discipline kids. 
But anyway, none of my examples involved yelling or threatening, but simply firm, unequivocal direction, as as in, it's time for you to pick up your toys, put them where they belong. Uh, Said not from that silly squat that moms think they have to get down into when they talk to their kids, but from a fully upright position. So, when this mother was done, I simply said that the fact that a child reacts negatively to a parent's behavior is no indication that the parent behaved badly or wrongly. But you see, this is precisely what most moms today think. They think that if something they do upsets their children, that they've done something wrong. In effect, they think that the foolishness that often comes from their children's hearts isn't foolish at all, that it's legitimate. And so when it was obvious that she wasn't going to give up, I went on to someone else, but she wasn't going to give up. Afterwards, she came up to the book sales table and wanted to resume. And that's when things got very interesting. She's read the book Grace-Based Parenting, she said, by Tim Kimmel. And she's been through a grace-based parenting indoctrination program. And that's what I'm going to call it, indoctrination. Because I will tell you, folks, anything, any philosophical system that deviates from scriptural orthodoxy is, in my estimation, cultish. And I'm going to say that grace-based parenting is cultish. She said that my parenting, this mother, she said my parenting was, quote, Old Testament, and that Jesus came to, quote, change all that. These are the words she used. The Old Testament God, she said, was a different God than Jesus. The Old Testament God was angry and smote people and even the whole human race and whole cities when he was angry. Jesus, on the other hand, was different. He was full of grace and forgiveness, and that's the parent she wants to be. Wow. I mean, wow. I I simply said to her that, I said, I'm sorry, but you need to read your Bible more carefully. And thankfully, some of the other mothers that were standing around listening to her talk It wasn't an exchange, by the way. It was just, you know, she was just talking. She was ranting about, uh, uh, you know, the the fact that I was, uh, my parenting philosophy was Old Testament and hers was New Testament. And because hers was New Testament, it was better. Why? Because new, obviously, is better than old, right? Wrong. Anyway, some of the other mothers that were standing around echoed my advice telling her she obviously had a very wrong understanding of God, that for one thing, Jesus and what she referred to as the Old Testament God are not two different persons. They are the same person. She, the mom in question, responded that the only time Jesus ever got angry was when he turned over the money changers' tables in the temple. Wrong again. Okay, so this woman has been indoctrinated in this new parenting philosophy called grace-based parenting. And this is what that indoctrination has led her to believe. It has led her to believe things that are not true. It, ha- it They're not true about God. They're not true about God the Son. 
This grace-based parenting propaganda has led her to believe things that are deceptive, cleverly deceptive. And as a consequence, her parenting is based not on biblical truth, but on untruth. She told everyone that her three kids are all sweet and well-behaved. Okay, well, the problem with that is that today's moms do not, as a rule, see their children with a good degree of objectivity. So when a mom says, my kids are well-behaved and sweet, it's quite possible that other people don't think so. And the other problem is that if a parent caters to his or her children enough, if they cater, in other words, to their children's sin natures, then their children's sin natures will cooperate, for a while anyway. Anyway, all I could think was, lady, the day of your reckoning is coming. So I'm fairly certain that if the developers of grace-based parenting, Tim Kimmel and his wife, heard this story, that they would protest that the mother in question has gotten a wrong impression of what grace-based parenting is all about. The problem is I've heard similar stuff from other mothers who've experienced the grace-based parenting indoctrination process. I've heard the same stuff about the Old Testament God versus Jesus and how Jesus has replaced the Old Testament God and Jesus is the model for proper parenting, not the Old Testament God. These are lies. The mother in question was not an anomaly. The fault here is not the mother and her misinterpretation. The fault is with grace-based parenting. Let me make that perfectly clear. The bottom line, folks, is that grace-based parenting is not biblical. It's an example of what I call biblical progressivism. It's an example of taking God's word and making it into something it's not, but something nonetheless that tickles the modern ear. In this case, the ears of women who are by nature inclined where their children are concerned, toward giving indiscriminate credence to their children's feelings. And because I need to be egalitarian here, let me say that men are inclined to be dismissive of their children's feelings, which is why, or one reason why, God put us together as male and female, so that to some degree we could be corrective of each other's excesses. The fact that grace-based parenting obviously devalues the so-called, quote, Old Testament God also flies in the face of the fact that all of God's instructions to parents concerning how he wants them to raise his children are found in the Old Testament. In that regard, the New Testament authors do nothing but stress the importance of what God has already said concerning child-rearing. Folks, there is but one proper way to raise a child. Let me make this perfectly clear. It is not Tim Kimmel's way. It is not the Ezo's way. It is not Jim Dobson's way. It is not my way. It's God's way. And any parenting philosophy that reinterprets God's clear instructions to parents is not God's way. It's man's way. In closing, I refer the listener to Colossians 2.8. 
chapter 2, verse 8, where the Apostle Paul warns against being taken captive by deceitful philosophies that that depend not on Christ, the Word made flesh, but on man's own thinking, man's own proclivity towards self-idolatry. I will also refer the listener to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. If you want your parenting path to be straight, then trust in the Lord with all your heart and depend not on your own or anyone else's understandings. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Those are found in the Old Testament, by the way. Thanks for joining me for another exciting episode of Because I Said So, carried every Saturday evening, afternoon, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, and you can do the math from there on American Family Radio. God bless you, and God bless your families. Thank you.